grabbing a stack of the exact same plates and flinging 10 of them at the wall and watching them smash into a thousand pieces. Like (laughs) sometimes the release has to be as big as the feeling. And it kind of goes with that, with that saying, like the grief is just as big as the love was. Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Entering Motherhood, a podcast dedicated specifically to new moms going through this amazing journey in life. I'm your host, Sarah Bilger, a postpartum nutritional coach slash mechanical engineer. And as always, I'm so excited to be here with you and share all the information I've been lucky enough to obtain since becoming a mom. In this episode, we talk with Adrienne Carsey about acknowledging some of the big feelings that come up as we enter motherhood and how to deal with them. Hello, and welcome to Entering Motherhood. I'm so happy to have you here and really just jump into the conversation today. So if you want to go ahead and let us know about you and what you do and and all of that. Hi, uh, thank you for having me. I'm already um, just a little bit, we've we've chatted so far. I'm excited uh, to chat with you more, but I am Adrienne Carsey with Life in the Moment. Um, reside in Greenville, South Carolina. I've been here about 25 years, uh, and the 25 years have led me on a journey of uh, social work for a while, and then which um, led me into life in the moment. And so I am kind of a mindfulness, meditation, Reiki guide, a lot of different random things. <laughs> when when people always say, "Hey, introduce yourself," it's kind of like, "Well, all right." <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm excited to be here today and chat with you more about mindfulness, uh, especially in motherhood. Cool. Very nice. And I'm excited too, like with the Reiki, like I know people that have done that, but I've never really dove into that myself. So, you know, did the mindfulness come first and then you got into Reiki or, or where did that kind of fall in? Uh, it kind of all came at the same time. So, um, it started on, and you will learn um, real quick that I am not ever scared to dive into heavy, deep feelings. So just before I say this, so you don't feel awkward and your readers don't feel awkward, <laughs> this is about to get a little bit heavy. So um, and my dad, I got pregnant with my son about two months after my dad passed away. Um, and so it started this journey of balancing joy and grief and just really like this constant tornado of feelings. And so about two weeks before my son's first birthday, I knew I needed to do something because the irritation and frustration that I was feeling was just, you know, it wasn't comfortable for me. It was, I just knew I needed to do something. So um, I happened through a random Google search to find um, a retreat that was happening uh, like the next weekend and it said sold out. And uh, so I sent the owner, um, you know, the retreat host an email and I said, I know it says you're sold out, explained a little bit about the situation, said I really need something and I feel like this is where I need to be. So fast forward, uh, it was a whole weekend of just mindfulness, meditation, uh, spending time, you know, with nature and waterfalls. And uh, the last day we did, she led an hour and a half self-healing Reiki class. I'd never heard of Reiki, experienced Reiki, knew anything about any kind of energy work. And 
the things I felt in my body, both from my hands and being released from my body was one of the most impactful things I've ever felt in my life. And so just like the knowledge that we have, you know, we honestly have the power to heal ourselves and release energy from ourselves only with our hands. All these tools are cool. Crystals are awesome. Oracle cards are amazing. You know what I mean? All of that. But like really our hands breathing nature, like we need very truly need very few things, you know, I feel like to release and and be mindful. That's amazing. I mean, it's crazy, you know, you know, losing your father, that's something that's so tragic and just, you know, something that you had to go through. And then, you know, having your son soon after that, like you said, that like emotions of, of joy and sadness and everything like all mixed into one. And then, you know, finding that retreat, though, I, I really feel like there's such unbeknown things that happen to us and like all these like amazing blessings that just sort of like come out of tragedy. And like the fact that like you sought that out and you went there and even, you know, seeing sold out, that didn't stop you. You're like, I'm going to send an email because I feel like I need to go to this. And then after that experience, you were able to really find something that has has completely changed your life. Like looking back on that now, like how much you have transitioned from that point, what does that feel like? You know, it's hard to actually to put like real human words to. Um, (laughs) It's just been like this beautiful tornado. You know, I, I compare, you'll see I compare people a lot to like tornadoes and fireworks and the ocean and like things that are beautiful and dangerous. And, you know, like we're all these just huge, big, beautiful balls of emotion. And, you know, you and I talked a little bit before we started recording about how like naturally people fumble and there's awkward silences while we try to think of the next thing to say. And like all of that is just human nature. And I feel like recently, especially the last few months, I have just been led so much to have people like recognize and honor the idea that we hold so many emotions at one time. We're expected to feel one way all the time. You know, you have a kid and you're expected to feel joy from the minute you get pregnant and every moment of motherhood. And like, that's just (laughs) real life. Like that's not how it works. And so I feel like if we take the time to acknowledge all of those emotions and like, you know, just the amount of emotions in my pregnancy, I never planned to have children. Um, to be honest, uh, the amount of love we feel for a child was and sometimes still is not comfortable for me. It's not a joyous feeling. It's a terrifying feeling. <laughs> so um, I do love my son. I know that, sounds, that may sound, you know, may sound awkward, but, you know, like that's it's always been a, more of a scary thing for me to think about how much you love a child. And so my son was not planned. I joke that he was a product of grief and gray goose. Um, (laughs) And so, yeah, it it was a huge, you know, I held the grief that my dad would never meet him in in this life because now I know 100% since having my son, they, they know each other well. And, you know, like, undoubtedly, I know that now. And then just having like the hesitation of ending this life of freedom and then having some of my best friends who you know who had lost multiple children watch them try to be as happy as they could for me and knowing that they were like gut-wrenchingly sad and jealous and like I told all of them like please talk to me about that I can imagine you've been trying for a child for years and you see somebody accidentally pop up pregnant that's that's a whole lot of feelings and I figure you know the sooner that we can 
we can just slow down and all talk to each other about those feelings, like the healthier we'll all be. Have you talked to your friends? Like, did they open up? How old is your son? Yeah, uh, he'll be four September 1st. Okay. So you were kind of like, hey, guys, look, like, I know you've yeah. been trying and, and they were willing to like open up and have that conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, you know, it, it was a huge shift in all of my friendships when my dad died. Um, I had known a lot of my friends for 20 plus years and they had literally never seen me cry. And um, and it's funny, I just posted about it on Facebook today, but like my dad, my dad had a massive stroke. He was alive in the hospital for eight days after that. And that whole journey, like it cracked me open and I couldn't hide emotion and I couldn't hold back these conversations I needed to have because I was like literally gagging, like <laughs> gagging on them. Like my stomach was churning and I'm like, I can see my best friend cringing you know, watching me open baby clothes. I can't not acknowledge that as her friend, as a human being. So the conversations are tough and you have to have them sometimes. And I mean, I cried halfway through my son's first birthday and, and everybody there was just going to be cool with it, you know? And if they weren't, sorry, I made you uncomfortable, but, <laughs> but I miss my dad and I wish my dad was here and my son looks just like him and acts just like him and I need to acknowledge that. So, <laughs> yep. So did you know he was passing? You said he had a stroke. Other than that, was it? Um, yeah, so he um, he had a massive stroke. And, and the way they kind of put it is like, this is kind of the only strokes that you see in textbooks. And he was actually at the stroke, I guess, unit in it, in Columbia. And so um, I was his only, his only child. And so I had to make the decision to you know, uh, do a surgery that would allow his brain to swell. And they pretty much, uh, they pretty much assured me he would never feed himself, use the bathroom, you know, and I knew my dad was an extremely prideful Italian man and he would never, he would never ever want that to happen. And so I made the, the tough decision to just, um, let things, let things happen. And so I knew the whole time, like they, you know, progressively moved into the palliative care floor and, and things like that. So. Um, you know, I knew within the eight days that he was not going to live. Yeah. And, and it was this, again, crazy, beautiful, the universe was constantly sending me signs through like music and people who would call in certain times and say certain things that, you know, the universe was letting me know every step that this is exactly how things should happen. And yep, it sucks. And yep, it's going to change a lot of things. So. And how, how do you feel like learning mindfulness and getting into that practice has really helped you transition through all that grief and, and that transition into motherhood with that weight on you? Um, it has just forced me to slow down. I mean, um, kind of the definition of mindfulness is living right here in the moment with no judgment and the no judgment, especially in motherhood is the most the most impactful part of that because you know if we if we say a thing or we feel a feeling um that that's it's done and over with it's moved on but the guilt we carry for it that's what you know that's where our bags get get really heavy is because you know <laughs> i know especially like with busy minded or neurodivergent women, we can lay in the bed in the middle of the night and like feel genuine guilt for something we said to somebody 12 years ago that like, <laughs> they may, they may not have thought about it since that day. 
or we can feel uncomfortable from something awkward that we said to somebody while we were networking last week, you know, like still feel that same genuine feeling from it. So just understanding that what that means is in that moment, we just need to slow down and, and release whatever energy that that has, you know, release the impact that that energy has on us right now. Were you practicing mindfulness or anything along those lines before your son? Not, not too much. Um, I was more um, just kind of floating through life. He really, and, and there was a the pivotal time, you know, definitely slowing down to pay attention to my emotions when I was pregnant. And I, I fully understand like when a child is growing inside you, the environment that they're growing in is how like that's in their DNA having my son and understanding that this grief is something that I'm going to have to help him through because it's going to be something that he's born with. And, you know, perfect example. We literally sat yesterday while he looked at a dead bird in the street because his bird friend died and he was genuinely upset about it. And like, (laughs) you know, that's something that I'm a deeply feeling person. He's a deeply feeling tiny person and, and we have to slow down so, so that we can work these things. And I feel like there was a kind of pivotal moment where he was about, he was tiny, tiny, probably about six weeks old. And, you know, just one of those nights where he woke up multiple, multiple times and I was exhausted and um, I'm a primary parent to him and have been since, you know, forever. Um, so kind of stomped in the room and I picked him up and at six weeks old, he flinched in my hands. Cause I was like, what do you need? And he watching his tiny body, like curl up and be afraid of me. Oh, I still, you know, it made a huge impact. And I still, when I raise my voice and see my child flinch at me, I can't stand it. I spent a long time flinching from my dad and wondering what mood my dad was going to be in. And you know, it, it's just cycles that I genuinely want to break. And I'm very honest with him about him. And I tell him, like, as soon as I do something, I try to slow down and tell him, I apologize. I do not want to react to you like that. Yeah, that's amazing that you're able to have like such an open dialect with him and really express that. And I think it takes a lot for people in general, but yeah, parents, mothers, you know, to have that respect for your child and be like, I don't want to act like this. But like how you were saying, you want to break away from that cycle. Sometimes that's all we're kind of like conditioned and know how to respond. And it's it's built into us somehow. And I think it's really hard to break away from that. And I think a lot of people struggle with like, this is just the way that I am. And like, I can't slow down. And, you know, even just hearing that phrase triggers people and like, look, like maybe that works for you. But like, I can't do that. Like we get like so stuck in this. We're so different. And like, it looks like you're doing everything fine. But like, I don't think that people realize that it was hard for us to get to that point. Like we needed to consciously make a decision and say, I don't want to be acting like this. What can I do to improve it? And it takes like work and time and like building up to that point. Oh, oh, absolutely. I I teach this as part of my profession and I still say things to my child on a regular basis, you know, that I 
don't want to say to him. And we have a very funny kind of smart alecky relationship sometimes. <laughs> I have to be honest that like, Hey, this is not how I want us to, <laughs> not how I want us to communicate. And, you know, raising, raising a little conscious child is nice until they check you in your feelings and you have to slow down in that moment. I, I will never forget. It, it was uh, probably about my son had just turned probably three, a little over three. And I had been uh, going through some things with, uh, in no, that, so this would have been in April. I had a couple blood clots in my lungs and one in my legs. And so I went through this whole, um, again, another whirlwind of feelings of being scared that I was not going to be able to be here for my son and realistically have to teach him what neighbor's house he can go to if he needs something. And like all of these just uncomfortably real world things and I was being rude to him, extremely rude and just passive aggressive and rushing him for no reason for several days. And uh, we were about to go walk out of the door one day. And he said, you have been so, why have you been so mad with me? You have been so mad with everybody. <laughs> and I had this moment where my, my first reflex was rage. Like... <laughs> I wanted, ooh, I wanted to tell him about himself and how hard it is to take care of him and what I do for him. <laughs> like, my ego was like, oh, oh, let me at it. <laughs> but I slowed down and, and I said, in this moment, I have asked, I have asked to be open and receptive to my child teaching me. In that moment, he was trying to teach me that I have been rude and I had been rude to people. And so I, of course, started sobbing. <laughs> like, I was like, you're right, but, and I appreciate you. Thank you for saying that to me. You know, like I'm trying, I'm working on it. If if you can remind me anytime you see me doing that, if you can remind me, I appreciate it. And so like ego check, <laughs> still even saying it, there's part of my ego that flares up and is like, oh, you know what you should have said, but no, you know, like he taught me an incredible, incredibly valuable lesson and um, the things we can learn from kids. One of my best friend's daughters, it was like a month and a half after my dad died. And one of my best friends, uh, it was her her daughter's birthday. So we were at the party and her daughter, I think was seven at the time. And she came and sat next to me in the middle of like this huge chaotic party. And she was like, so you really miss your dad, huh? And I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like a lot. <laughs> and she was like, do you need to talk about it? Like, right. She didn't care. She didn't care. There was an entire party going on. She sat there. She looked me in my eye and she listened to me and I talked to her, you know? And it was like, again, a child teaching me a, a lesson that has become a pillar of like my mindfulness. And that is if you need to talk about a feeling, you talk about it. It doesn't matter if it's Christmas dinner and one of your parents died five years ago and you really miss them. I feel like we just need to just make it a regular thing to just say that. And if it makes people uncomfortable, that's because they might miss her too. Or, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, I think that's so true. And I, I think, you know, it is important, like, if we don't let it out, if we don't let that kind of be expressed, like, where is that going? And like, truly, it's just going to be trapped inside of you. And all those feelings are still going to be circling around. And it's just going to build up even more and more. You just have to let that out. And you can't be ashamed or afraid of, of who's going to feel uncomfortable or, or how they're going to react to it. And especially like, if a child is being that open and asking you, like, do you want to talk about it? 
what does it matter how old somebody is or like what you think that they can't comprehend? Like, that's what frustrates me a lot. Like people just saying like, oh, they're a kid, like they don't understand or like, you know, like, oh, like this is like an adult conversation and stuff. Like kids can feel those emotions and like they can still be a person that you can talk to and maybe they don't understand every single second of it, but like who really does? Like, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you and, know? and in some parts of mindfulness, they understand way more than we do. You know, one of the, my favorite parts of my jobs is I do, I offer virtual like a mindfulness consultation session with any ages, any groups, any numbers of people. And, you know, people always say, well, I'm, you know, I'm having problems with my three or five-year-old listening or whatever, I, I don't know. They don't, they don't understand this. I'm like, oh, they understand it more than you ever will. Because if you get a child, you know, e even like just a little bit, I can connect with a child virtually, right? A few minutes of connection. And if I ask a child, when you feel really, really, really mad, where do you feel that in your body? I've never had a child hesitate. They always say my hands or my, my heart or my head. They know immediately. You ask an adult and they're like, Mm, I don't know. Nope. Kids know. And they, you know, part of what I teach is more unconventional mindfulness, unconventional meditation. So for me, as like a very busy minded person, silent seated meditation does not always benefit me. It has at times, it's times where it does. Um, but a lot of times, five minutes of sitting there and like, my to-do list is longer and I still don't know what we're having for dinner. And I could have been washing the dishes in that time. <laughs> Just all that real world stuff, right? So I teach a lot of meditation based around like really loud music. I teach a class called Namaste that's mostly um, rap, hip hop, reggae based. And we listen to it loud and like you pay attention to where the bass hits in your body and like teaching kids, you know, to, to smash a pillow, to beat on a pillow, and then ask them to slow down and, and see where they feel that in their body. Like, I, sh I show my son and have been showing him since he's two years old, when I'm frustrated, I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to hit this punching bag. And instead of instead of yelling at you, I'm going to take a minute to step aside and I'm going to do this and you can watch and you can be a part of that and you can hit it too if you need to. But I just you know, if it's big, loud energy to me, sometimes you have to let it out in a big, loud way. I love the smash room. There is, <laughs> there are very few things that can soothe my soul, like grabbing a stack of the exact same plates and flinging 10 of them at the wall and watching them smash into a thousand pieces. Like <laughs> sometimes the release has to be as big as the feeling. And it kind of goes with that with that saying, like, the grief is just as big as the love was. So it's kind of that same balance. Yeah, that makes total sense. And that, like, I mean, that just sounds so much fun, like listening to loud music and just like getting it all out. And like, sometimes like, you know, like, it might feel awkward. And you're like, am I really gonna do this? But like, it does need to just be released sometimes. And like, whatever way you're gonna find to be helpful, I think, I think is impactful. And I think learning what's going to be helpful for you is important too, because like we're all different and we all like release energy differently. And I think just like finding that little quirky way of like, what's going to like work for you. And then once you find it, be like, 
yes, like I'm embracing Mm -hmm. this. Yep, exactly. And, you know, that's part of something that I do in in the mindfulness, um, mindful moment consultations is you leave with kind of a list of different things that that you feel like you'll resonate with and when to use them. So I kind of I break, um, I break mindfulness down and I identifying, releasing and then balancing the emotions. So you know, we kind of have a column for each and you leave with a few different ways of each. And it's so important to know with us and especially kids, like the same thing isn't going to work all the time. You know, silent meditation may work for you three days in a row. It may work for you 10% of the time, you know, listening to really loud music may ramp your anxiety, you know, the, the anxious feeling energy up. And some days it may calm it down. Like we're all just giant infants and like, (laughs) Just like when an infant is having a meltdown, you have to go through the list of like, have you had anything to eat? Have you had any water? Have you moved your body? Like, <laughs> you know, we go through and those are those are kind of the, the three basics I start with. Like, have you had some kind of nutrients? Have you had some water and have you moved your body? And then past that, there is this whole list of different, you know, crystals or sage or Palo Santo or drumming on a yoga ball or swimming in a pool or like there's this entire list of things that we can do to then once we've identified where that energy is how to release and balance it so looking back on let's say like your first year postpartum and really like stepping into motherhood like obviously you were going through a grieving period as well but what have you found or what would you recommend to like a new mom going through that transition for the first time, not necessarily, you know, like just having grieved a parent as well, but other emotions and other things that are going on, where would you kind of like looking back on your own journey at that stage, what would you have found most helpful or what would you feel you wish you would have known more of at that time? Um, I would say probably continue to seek people who can also talk openly about that and, and people who, you know, aren't going to try to ever make you feel bad. If you say, man, I just do not like being a mom today. I really just miss not having a responsibility today or going to somebody, you know, just any, any of those. And like, there is this huge world out there of really supportive groups. And I think we have to be careful as moms, because I think a lot of these mom groups are not the most healthy, but there are really, really healthy ones out there. Or groups that they might not be a mom group, but a place moms can always come. I I run a Facebook group called Not Your Mama's Mindfulness, and, and people can come at any time and say, whoa, this is how I'm feeling about this, this, or this. And people all will always support them. And understand again that holding that holding of multiple feelings at a time like in parenting now I slow down and and look at what feelings I'm holding at what time and you know when my son is exhausted and I've given him more sugar than usual and he's returning my funky energy to me (laughs) like in those moments I have to slow down and I have to say okay part of what I'm feeling is frustration because I'm ready to go to bed. Part of what I'm feeling is I've been responsible for him for seven days straight and I just need to not be responsible for him for a little while. Part of it is 
how I was raised and the fact that I got a quick backhand to the mouth anytime I was disrespectful or talked back. And, you know, then the guilt I feel for having that reflex, <laughs> like, you know, I slow down and I'm like, all right, I'm feeling this, this, and this. And when my son's having those moments, I slow him down and I say, all right, we have a lot, a lot of feelings going on. Like, let's, let's slow down and separate them. And I think when you separate them, it's easier to realize that like, in the moment that that feeling can feel like it's bigger than everything. But when you break it down, that feeling is a tiny, tiny, tiny part of like who you are as a whole person. And I think just slowing down to, to remember that for us and our kids is huge. I think, I think there's a lot of times where we're so exhausted and living in reflex that we, we forget our kids are tiny humans and they wake up every day with little control of their anything. And and in that moment when they're playing with blocks, that is their whole life. Yeah. And I think a lot of the times, like as moms, we forget that like we still need to be cared for as well. I think a lot of the attention goes on the baby. A lot of the attention goes on what they need and what they want. But like you were saying, like, did you eat something nutritious today? Did you drink water? Did you move your body? Like, those are things that we need to like, look in and ask ourselves as well. Because if we're not taking care of ourselves, like, it's harder to be caring for our children. And I think, I think we lose that. And we feel like we have to, you know, dive into motherhood fully selfless and, and just like all for our children. And we slowly just forget about our own needs and like how we need to be cared for and what needs to like be going on with us. And I think, you know, yeah, that's slowing down stopping and just saying like what's going on here like why am I feeling these things like what is it that's really triggering this and then being able to like like you were saying acknowledge it and really evaluate that I think that's so needed and I think it's so easily forgotten when we're thrown into motherhood because it's so baby this baby that and like how's how's this with the baby how's that with the baby and we feel like if we're not fully devoting ourselves to our children, then we're doing it wrong. Absolutely. And I think um, just by us devoting ourselves wholly to our kids, I think in in the long run, we're teaching kids how to not have any boundaries of self-care and giving themselves selflessly. And I think um, there's a lot of times in slowing down that we make decisions like putting up certain boundaries that are uncomfortable to put up. And, you know, in, in raising kids, you know, our job is to raise like decent human beings, I feel like. And so there's times that like, you know, there's times now where, where my son will just be a hundred miles an hour and trying to climb on me and I'm touched out and sensory overload <laughs> and I'm ready. And I I'm honest with him. And I say, I do not want to be touched right now unless you're just coming to sit in my lap or even not at all. Even if I need to say, I I just need to sit next to you right now, but do not touch me. And there are times that it hurts his feelings. And I understand that. And that's, again, that's a tough couple emotions to hold. I never want to hurt his feelings, but I also want to teach him. And if, if at any point in his life, he does not want to be touched, the person touching him should not touch him. And there's been times where he's always had this thing where when he's getting tired, he likes to bloop my lip. (laughs) And, you know, like just bloop. And it, it, sometimes it's so funny. And, but on the wrong night, it's really irritating. And there have been multiple times that I set him down and I say, it is my body and I dictate who touches it and when. 
And there's some nights where he has really big feelings about it. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> you know, well, you're going to learn right now about physical boundaries, you know, and no, you don't have to hug or kiss anybody that you don't want to, including me. And the first time he told me, no, I don't want to give you a kiss. It hurt my feelings, but oh, well, because it was his, <laughs> it was his boundary, you know, and I think by teaching, teaching my son that. You know, I need to I need to take a minute to take a quick shower or things like that. You know, as long as they're safe, obviously. <laughs> Typical legal disclaimer, as long as they're safe and taken care of, you know, stepping in the shower, stepping out on the porch for some fresh air and and sometimes like taking them on that on that journey with you. I think a lot of us, myself included, some days I just need to get a physically separated from him before I can slow down and be mindful. And that's just not real life. So like taking the time to say, hey, either you can slow down and take a few deep breaths with me or not, but I need to sit here and take a few deep breaths. Like showing him, yeah, part of it might not feel good to you right now because you, you know, need to be trying to jump on my lap or whatever. You know, yeah, it might not feel good to you, but this is my boundary and that boundary is what it is. And sometimes, you know, I think uh, it was... The year before COVID, I went to um, Bali for two weeks and, and photographed a retreat. The woman that I went to the retreat in Georgia with, amazing woman named Althea Lawton Thompson, um, went to Bali with her for two weeks. And, you know, people actually said to me, like, how do you leave your son for two weeks? And I'm like, I'm showing him that I love you with my whole heart. And I'm also a whole entire person, just like you're a whole entire person. And this is going to, you know, this is going to be a life changing experience for me and for you to know how to love, you know, and be with other people and have fun with other people besides just looking at me all the time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's hard on both ends. I mean, like the very first time that we left Rosie, like, fully at bedtime and stuff, you know, that was a struggle for me, like, oh my gosh, like, she's not gonna be with us for bedtime and like things like that. And it was like hard and difficult and stuff like on my end. And like, I'm sure like, to some extent, like she was kind of like, oh, like, where's mommy? Where's daddy? Like, you know, this is different. This is new. And it's like hard for them too. But you're not gonna be able to put them to bed every night for the rest of their life. Like, you know, like there's going to be those moments and you should take those moments. Like you should go out, like you should enjoy yourself. You should still be able to do a few of those things that you used to do before kids. Like you don't have to completely, you know, again, like devote yourself entirely to your kids. And there is freedom that can be found in motherhood. And I think it's just like finding that balance and, and being able to give yourself that permission. And yes, show them and be an example of like, I have boundaries and I have things that I want to do and, and, and things like that too. And I think when you do that, you give them permission to be able to do that when they get older and, and when they can like have those moments. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's so important, you know, just teach our kids. They are a whole entire person who is responsible for their own happiness and and mama is a whole entire person that is responsible for her happiness and and something i teach my son often um is that nobody else's energy is yours to carry and you know we have different exercises and things that we do to literally kind of shake other people's energy off because 
you know, I'm a, I'm again, a deeply feeling person raising a deeply feeling person. And hopefully what he's not going to do is soak in all this inner funky energy from other people and, and be walking around heavy his whole life. And, you know, knowing what I know now and the things that I was doing when I was younger, there was a point in my life where I was over 450 pounds. All I was just trying to do was like increase some of the space between me and the world and (laughs) just numb and back up from things. And so he will definitely know that that even me, as much as he loves me, my energy is not his to carry. And when I wake up in a funky mood, it's not his response, you know, it's not his responsibility to try to make me feel better or anything like that. That's my responsibility. He can remind me, he can say, hey, we can try this, you want to try this. And we've tried something recently where I've been asking him to find his heart. If he's uh, having like a really frustrating time, I've been asking him to slow down and find his heart and see what his heart says. And, you know, like, these moments where he he's kind of lashing out verbally. And for the first time yesterday, he, he walked away from me, went to the bathroom and said, stupid mama. And he didn't think I heard it. And as soon as he took a minute to calm down, I said, Hey, I don't know whose energy you're carrying. And I heard you call me stupid mama. And he immediately started to get angry. And I said, Oh, I, I understand that you think that nobody heard that, <laughs> but I did hear that. And it was something that we, calmly and kindly address like in the moment and I said hey that I know you I know that's not how you really feel so that doesn't hurt my feelings that hurts you to say that and then you know asking him to take a minute to drop into his heart and say see when you think about saying mean things to somebody else that hurts your heart not them you know they understand way more than than we give them credit for well I think that's amazing and I think what you're doing is awesome and you know, the way that you're having just open conversations with your son and really just feeling all the feelings and getting that out there. Because I think we need more people doing that. And we need to be more open and accepting when people share their feelings and open up about things and have those big emotions. I think, you know, like sometimes it could make people feel uncomfortable or it's like they're not exposed to that sort of like level of vulnerability But I think the more and more we kind of allow ourselves to really open up to all of that, I think the better we're going to progress into being able to share our feelings and really understand what's going on inside us and how we can get through it and deal with it. So absolutely. And, and understanding, um, kind, you know, kind of piggyback off what you said, just once we stop worrying about others, other people's discomfort with it um, and realizing that in the long run, they need to release too. And that it's going to plant some kind of little seed in them to say, Oh wow, she just, you know, she just said or did that, or she just sat in the grocery store floor with her own son to take a few deep breaths because he needed it. You know, I don't care how weird we look. (laughs) This is our energy that we have to carry around. And yeah this that's all we we dance where we want to dance and we sing where we want to sing and if we need to sit in the floor and take a few deep breaths then that's what we do and you know as an adult you know people say all the time like just being around other people like that your body immediately feels the desire to release too because you you're somebody's holding that same safe space for you and I feel like once we start doing that for ourselves we naturally do it for other people yeah. Yeah. It's really that ripple effect. It really is. And and it's immediate with something like that. You know, that ripple effect is immediate with something like that because all of us have 
at this point, years and years of emotions, and especially with the time in quarantine, and then the, you know, all of the chaos since then, like, whether we know it or not, we all feel that, and our kids really feel that, because they're way more connected than, than we are, so, you know, just slowing down in any moment to say, hey, you seem uncomfortable, you good, you seem like you're having a tough time, or, you know, all of that openness is just, people need it, and as soon as they're around it, um, that's kind of what the Facebook group has been. And I never, I, I really kind of started it to be more fun. Um, and it has really turned into a really safe space for a lot of people. And it's, you know, we're fun and weird too, <laughs> but it's also that like, again, that balance and like seriousness and playing in the rain and, and also something, somebody coming to say, Hey, I had this, I just had this thought I feel really bad about and everybody's supporting them saying, Hey, that's natural. You're good. Like it happens. It's a beautiful space, and again, the the more we spread that, um, I think the more balanced we'll just be as a as a human, as a community, as a country, as a world, all of that. Can you remind us again what the Facebook group is called, and then also just you know where we can find you, how we can get in contact with you, and what kinds of things you're having going on right now? Absolutely. So the Facebook group is Not Your Mama's Mindfulness, and Mama is M-A-M-A apostrophe S. Let's see. Website is www.lifeinthemomentsc.com. Also, uh, Facebook and Instagram are also Life in the Moment SC. So those are all all my kind of little plugs. Um, the, the mindfulness group is definitely the most fun. <laughs> the, the website is more informative. I have some information on there about the different, uh, the mindful moments consultations I do, as well as I always offer group meditations. Um, yep, yeah, all different things like that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking to us and really just like sharing your heart and sharing all, all the things that are going on with you and what your transition was like becoming a mom. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. Um, fantastic conversation. Thank you. Anybody can um, reach out to me anytime. Again, um, there is a community of people out there who can support whatever feelings that you may feel like you're the only one feeling because I can promise that you're not. Um, <laughs> somebody has felt them or experienced them or something like them. So know that you're never alone. If it's time to ask for professional help, um, pay attention to that too. Um, other than that, just get a great support system. Even with the best, most well-sleeping, polite child, motherhood is a <laughs> an adventure of a journey. So reach out anytime. Well, this wraps up yet another episode of Entering Motherhood. I hope that you have found this episode helpful. And if you liked it, please share it with others who might also benefit from this information. If there's anything that you'd like to know more about, or maybe you know someone who'd like to be on the show, please visit my website, enteringmotherhood.com. I'm so thrilled to be going on this journey with you and getting the amazing opportunity to help moms during this postpartum experience. You can also now find us on Instagram and Facebook at Entering Motherhood.